0: Coming up on this edition of Stat Pack. We take a look at the 8-2-0 teams, tell you which teams to buy and which teams to sell as serious contenders so far in 2013. Also, we take a look at the big board, tell you what was the biggest upsets of the week. And yes, the Intelligence Index Review with the Shocker of the Week. Already trading Trent Richardson, all that and more on Stat Pack. Hello there, Pigskins fans, and welcome to the Week 3 edition of Stat Pack. I'm your host, Adam Derovolski, and we have plenty to get to in this show over the next half hour, a six-pack of subjects. With the same subjects as last week, we're going to eventually mix it up more as we go through the season, but it's still early in the year, so we're not going to get too far ahead of ourselves. We're going to look at... Uh, some of the mathletics, buy and sell, be using some of those mathletics to tell you whether to buy or sell the 8-2-0 teams. We'll also take a look at the Intelligence Index, the Big Board, the King of Props, a look ahead through the Intelligence Index, and finally, our six-pack of top games for Week 3. It's going to be an exciting one. You have 16 1-1 teams, 8-2-0 teams, 8-0-2 teams. And so far through two weeks, we've had ourselves just amazing football. This past week, 11 games were decided by one possession. That makes it 23 so far this season of the 32 games. Meanwhile, on the flip side, you have six games this past week, decided by three points or fewer. That doesn't even include the overtime win for the Houston Texans over the Tennessee Titans. But 11 games so far have been decided by three points or fewer. So you have more games through two weeks decided by a field goal or less than games decided by more than one possession. We've truly been blessed as football fans. I must say that nine games decided in the final minute with a game-winning drive, 14 fourth-quarter comebacks total in two weeks so far. It'll be interesting to see. Eight 0-2 teams have made the playoffs since realignment in 2002. 71 teams at 1-1. 53 teams at 2-0. So those eight 2-0 teams, they're not exactly guaranteed to make it into the postseason. And that's why we begin our podcasts with a look at Mathletics from Week 2. And let's begin off our first segment, the buy or sell of Mathletics from week 2 and we look at the 8 2 and 0 teams. The New England Patriots, the Miami Dolphins, Houston Texans, Denver Broncos, Kansas City Chiefs, Chicago Bears, New Orleans Saints and Seattle Seahawks all 2 and 0. And there's quite an awful good amount of one and one teams here maybe just a biscuitine trisket away from being 2 and 0. But these eight teams are feeling good about life, but it's not exactly set in stone that their fortunes will be sealed moving on into January. So let's take a look. Beginning things off with the New England Patriots, they've been pretty much the regular in the AFC East. They've been the dominant team. Tom Brady, leading the way through the regular season, they've been pretty much infallible in terms of the quality stats relative to their division opponents, but right now, if we're just looking at the first two games, I am selling, that's right, selling the New England Patriots. The Patriots through two wins against Buffalo and New York, a combined point margin of plus 5. I went back looked at the history of the Super Bowl era teams who went 2 and 0 and had a scoring margin of plus 5 or less. And you have one Super Bowl champion. That's it. The San Francisco 49ers Super Bowl 23 Won their first two games by combined four points. Now, those are against two teams that eventually ended up being 20 and 12. So keep a lookout for that. But in total, you have one other Super Bowl team, the 2003 Carolina Panthers. And three other teams that made the postseason. The 2005 Washington Redskins. The 2008 Carolina Panthers and then way back in 1991 the Chicago Bears. But in total, looking at 14 teams have been in this situation since the Super Bowl era. And the results aren't exactly all that positive. It's been a mixed bag. No team has been better than the Panthers in 2008 in the regular season at 12-4. and four, And you have four other teams with at least 10 victories. So, Pretty much what we're getting out of this, close victories, not exactly the best thing. Now, both of them did come against divisional opponents. That happened to the 2007 49ers and 91 Bears, as well as the 99 Patriots. Only the Bears made it into the postseason. And then you look at the teams themselves. The Bills, they've done some promising things at 1-1. One and one. The Jets, 1-1 one and one as well. But beginning of the season, not high projections for those two teams. When you look at it, the teams that did not play a single postseason team, you have teams like the 07 49ers, 5-11. The 07 Broncos, 7-9. Yes, the 91 Bears made the playoffs. Yes, the 2003 Panthers made the playoffs. But the 2003 Redskins went 5-11. The 2000 Jets, 9-7. And then, of course, as we mentioned, San Francisco 49ers winning the Super Bowl. They actually didn't play a playoff team, but... They did play two 10-6 teams, so uh, we'll not worry too much about that being a bad start for the 49ers. So pretty much here for the Patriots, I need to see more. I need them to see them be like the old New England Patriots. Moving on, we now go to the Miami Dolphins, 2-0. Yes, two road victories, but as of right now, I am still selling the Miami Dolphins. This was a tempting one. I really did want to come close to buying it. A lot of good quality stats for the Miami Dolphins, but their offensive hogs ranked 25th so far, 20th in real quarterback rating. That, of course, the mother of all stats, and they're right down the middle right now. Cleveland, well, Brandon Whedon, there's a whole world of trouble with that, and Brian Hoyer's getting the start in Week 3 with Whedon injured. And then Indianapolis, Andrew Luck, so far through two games looking better than he did last year, but... The Colts were towards the bottom of the pack in real quarterback rating last year. So Miami, get a win this upcoming Sunday in Atlanta, and I'm full on the wagon buying whatever you have to sell for the postseason. Next up, the Houston Texans last year's AFC South winners. Another team at 2-0 that right now I have to sell. Now, Houston is one of the few teams in the AFC that I think can make the Super Bowl, and in fact, I think depending on the matchups, your two favorites, in terms of balance and home field advantage, you're going to look at teams like Denver and New England, but Houston right up there with their balance, offense and defense, but I'm selling it because so far in the first two weeks, the Houston Texans have two of the five worst bendabilities So far in the big board, 60th in bendability against the Houston Texans in Week 2. 63rd, second to last, against the Chargers Week 1. So they're just allowing points left and right, and they've had to come back to win both games late in the fourth quarter. That's showing the resiliency, and I would love to buy this team because of that. But until their defense gets a bit more smart, and until you have that offense in... Close situations, not throw a pick six, not blow a fourth down, be a little bit smarter, take off that dunce cap. Until they do that, I'm not buying them. Next up, the Denver Broncos, 2-0. and Of course, you have to buy. Peyton Manning, nine touchdowns, zero interceptions. The Broncos, first and scoreability, real quarterback rating, defensive real quarterback rating. Uh, or sorry, no, quarterback rating differential. Passer rating differential, offensive passer rating. They're second in the defensive hog index. Third in real passing yards per attempt and defensive pass rating. Fourth in defensive real quarterback rating and the offensive hog index. Don't need to explain that anymore. Next up, the Kansas City Chiefs. Now, this was a team that here on Cold Hard Football Facts, they were picked to make it into the postseason. But at 2-0, I'm selling them for one reason – And one reason only, I need to see what Alex Smith will do if the Chiefs defense doesn't keep playing as well as they had so far. We should know by now what Alex Smith is. He's a steady quarterback, he's efficient, and he's a perfect fit for the teams that have a good running game and a great defense. And that's exactly what worked out for Smith in San Francisco. Efficiency, pretty much right now a three touchdown to one interception ratio when you look at rushing and passing touchdowns since 2011. But for Alex Smith's career, he is two twenty-five and 1 when his opponents have allowed 24 points or more. Both of those wins came in 2011. Just a quick comparison, Colin Kaepernick in his career so far, postseason included, just like with Alex Smith. He is four and three in games in which his opponent allowed 20 or his team, excuse me, allowed 24 points or more. That includes the entire postseason. The 49ers allowing at least 24 points in every playoff game. Colin Kaepernick gets him to the Super Bowl that postseason run equals the wins Smith has in his entire career. When his team is allowed 24 points or more. Even another comparison the previous opening day starting quarterback for the Chiefs, Matt Castle, captain mediocrity himself, 7 and 24 when his team's allowed 24 points or more. I need to see this from Alex Smith. I need to see that. That will be his next step from being. A very good quarterback that is perfect for a great team to a great quarterback. If he can do that and he can get the job done, say, Thursday in Philadelphia with the Eagles offense playing very efficient, then I'll buy them. Next up, the Chicago Bears. At 2-0, I have to sell them. We talked about the Patriots, the plus-five margin. The Bears, a plus-four margin through two wins. Next up, the New Orleans Saints, 2-0. I have to buy them right now. And it's because they're winning in spite of offensive inefficiency. Not exactly the smartest play so far from Drew Brees. 28th in scoreability are the Saints. And just 18th in offensive passer rating. Now we've seen Drew Brees over the years. Here in New Orleans, he's done a fantastic job. An elite quarterback. He's going to get back to that. And the Saints their defense can just sort of keep up what they've done in two weeks they'll be in great position to be a serious threat in the postseason and finally the seattle seahawks at 2-0 i have to buy them i picked them to win the super bowl i still think they're the best pick to win the super bowl even better than the denver broncos a 29-3 victory over the san francisco 49ers need i say more I don't, but I will anyway. First in bendability, defensive real passing yards per attempt, defensive real quarterback rating, defensive passer rating, defensive rushing rating, rusher rating differential, second in passer rating differential, and fourth in real quarterback differential. They have just done a fantastic job, and I think they're still your favorites. And that completes your Mathletics. Buy or sell. Next up, we look at our big board here from Week 2, our second segment on Step Back with your host, Adam Dobrovolsky. And we look at yet again a huge upset for those who are holding a great advantage in the passing game. Week 1, the Buffalo Bills fall to the New England Patriots despite a real quarterback rating differential of 40.39 last year teams with a plus 40 QBR differential were 80-1. Go to week two, and the Detroit Lions losing to the Arizona Cardinals despite having a 32.81 pass rating differential advantage. Last year, teams were 106-6 and six with a plus 30 PRD or better. Detroit, well, you can now make it Two, losses for teams with a 20-plus QBR differential, including those Patriots victory last year, or last week over the bills, the Cardinals victory over Detroit. This week, that makes it already two-fifths of the total from last year. Teams were with a 21 or better QBR differential. They were 152 and 5. Two losses already. Pretty surprising to see. And the question is, how can Detroit bounce back from that? But we do also want to talk about, as we go to our second part here on the big board, maybe the best offensive game we'll see all season. And that happened at Lincoln Financial Field between the San Diego Chargers and the Philadelphia Eagles. How about this offensive pass rating fest? Philadelphia, 119.19. San Diego. Offensive pass rating of 115 or better happened just five times last season. But there's some interesting things we can build upon this. Both teams had a QBR of 120 or better. And in fact, teams with a QBR of 120 or better last year were 34-1. The only team to lose, the Pittsburgh Steelers, in Week 3 to Oakland. That's right, there was no matchup last year where both teams had a QBR better than 120, and we had that in week two in Philadelphia. Also of note, and I'm losing my voice here because, well, it's probably that shocking. The Eagles put up an offensive rusher rating better than 120. Be interesting to see what the Eagles can do moving forward, but when you have such efficiency, passing the ball, and running the ball, I think you can make the argument that Chip Kelly is doing something right, despite what many people are criticizing too fast of a pace. Granted, the Chargers slowed the ball down, but the Eagles, they didn't seem to be affected by it whatsoever. And then finally, how about this? The Eagles, with an 11.11 real passing yards per attempt, teams with a 10 or better Real passing yards per attempt last year were 17-1, and so we have already equaled the loss column from last year. Next up on our big board, number three, we go from great offensive pass readings to very poor offensive pass readings. We have our first two sub-30s of the year. The Jets, sub-30 at New England. San Francisco, sub-30 at Seattle. My only reaction to this is... Well, we kind of got cheated in primetime football. That makes up two-thirds of our primetime football. And the third one was Pittsburgh at Cincinnati. Oh, offenses beware. That wasn't really a pretty sight in those primetime games. And then finally on our big board, how about Houston? We mentioned their back-to-back bendability flops with victories in both games. How about this? Only one team last year had under a 12-bendability in multiple victories. That was the Pittsburgh Steelers wins in week seven and week nine. I'm looking to see what the Texans can do when they actually put up some rigid defense and not allow teams to score. Are they going to blow teams out? Who knows? Or are they going to sneak in another victory the way they have in this first two weeks? Or is this just a sign Of the Texans being huge frauds. And could it be a team like the Tennessee Titans coming out of nowhere in the AFC South? They did at times, if not overall in the game, look like the better team than the Houston Texans. But that wraps up our big board from week two. And we're on to the next segment. (music) Segment number three on the stat pack involves the Intelligence Index Review. And we look back to week two and, we of course, have the fantastic insider article from Colonel Comey. You have to check it out. Become a CHFF Insider. Nice price to go figure out all you need to know from NFL in terms of the real hard analysis and, of course, finding out what the best bets are from week to week. Just $99 for a full year. You can probably make that back with some betting and you can use that intelligence index and we'll have a preview of week three to figure out what picks you can make. But of course you'll know a lot more if you go to the CHFF Insider. But all plugs aside, let's look back to week two and talk about that Seattle smackdown of San Francisco. Alliteration aside or still going with it. However you want to think about it. Colin Kaepernick. Oh boy. He was smacked stupid. Against those Seattle Seahawks. You look at that loss. Only three points. A 29-3 loss. And you start to worry about Colin Kaepernick. He's had some great games obviously. That postseason run. He's had some bad games. Including both of his games. Up there at CenturyLink Field. And his passer rating. Just over a meager 20. Sunday night. In that loss. You think about it. There's something to worry about here. If the Seahawks have his number, how can the 49ers keep going in this division? Well, I'll tell you this. It's not just the Seahawks you need to worry about if you're Colin Kaepernick. How about the entire NFC West? So far, Kaepernick, four starts against his fellow division. In those games, the 49ers have a scoreability of 22.61. Kaepernick's worst Score ability with the 49ers in the rest of his starts. You're looking at four regular season starts last year, one regular regular season start this year, and the three playoff starts. His worst was 15.10 in Super Bowl 47. So looking at this interesting dynamic for Kaepernick doing so well, getting his team to score outside of the division doing so poor getting his team to score in the division and i really have to wonder what these 49ers are going to do to stay atop the nfc west the biggest issue i have in particular in these games against seattle is how easy kaepernick's made it for the seahawks to score a bendability from the 49ers of 10 on sunday last year just 8.24 the next worst total from the 49ers 2012 or 2013 was 13.15. Seattle no doubt has a 49ers number at CenturyLink Field. And if those two teams have a rematch in the postseason, the 49ers have a tall mountain to climb. Of note though for Seattle, they are by far right now the most efficient team in this category. A bendability of 45, a scoreability of 16.1, They are fantastic. Next up, we're talking about a very smart, dumb team. And that is the Carolina Panthers. If you become an insider, you'll find out that the Panthers have one of the best intelligence index in the league. And that's seventh. Pretty good, right? But they're 0-2. Why is this? Well, they might be the smartest, stupid team in NFL history, maybe. Or at least Ron Rivera might be the dumbest coach. And I hate to say that, not in terms of actual physical intelligence, but in terms of getting the job done in close games, he is two and 14 in games decided by seven points or fewer in his head coaching career, two and 14. I mean, let's just think about that. Let's try to wrap that around our minds for a second. Games decided by seven points or fewer, maybe at worst you're five and 11 or six and 10 on average you should be eight and eight at best ten and six or eleven and five. The close games are generally the ones you split and he is two and fourteen. No wonder why this team starts off the season so poorly. He can't manage close game situations. I mean Carolina, an intelligence index of plus four point seven eight at Buffalo, week two, and the Bills close it out in the final seconds because Carolina has a defensive breakdown in the final six seconds, leaving Stevie Johnson wide open in the left corner of the end zone. No one covered him. Both guys covering went inside on a cross, and you had Stevie Johnson wide open. Carolina, I worry about them. They're a team I had actually to make the postseason this year because I said, well, they're finally finally going to regress. I even said it last week, they're finally going to regress in games decided by seven points or fewer, and they continue to prove me wrong. And Well, now they play one of the dumbest teams in the league, and the New York Giants, but we'll get to that in our week three preview. For now, we close things off from week two with the Cleveland Browns. 31st in Intelligence Index, and I have to throw this in there. In fact, I'm putting together this new section, this updated section Just because of the Trent Richardson trade from Cleveland to Indianapolis. A guy you draft third overall last year and all you trade him for is a first-round pick this year? You really think Trent Richardson's value has gone down that much? I mean, the Colts, they might not make the playoffs. They might have a losing record for all we know. But they're not going to be as bad enough to be third overall in the two thousand. 14 NFL Draft. I don't know what the Browns are doing. Their intelligence index isn't very well, and their management decisions Go along just with that, but that closes out our intelligence index review Next up we have a quick review of the week two king of props bets and well the king of props had some tough luck in I'm gonna tell you right now exactly why a two and two mark is a bit misleading. Just some minor tweaks that need to be done, and a little bit more luck for our king of props. Is four bets? Geno Smith going under 25 and a half rushing yards? A win. Smith only 17 rushing yards, despite a rainy New England. I mean, that's where you need to run the ball more, right? Didn't work out for Geno Smith and the Jets. Here's the bad luck. Eddie Lacy. Choice to go over 60 and a half rushing yards. First carry for Lacey, 10 yards and an injury and a loss for our King of Props. How about Mr. Starks coming in right after him? James Starks becoming the first 100-yard rusher for the Packers in 45 games. That was Eddie Lacey's 100-yard game. Not James Starks. Thank you very much, Brandon Merriweather. You give us a loss where we didn't need it. Third up. From the king of props, he had Cecil Shorts. That's right. Salute your Shorts the third, going over sixty-five and a half receiving yards. A victory for the king of props, ninety-three receiving yards, despite Jacksonville scoring only nine points. And then finally, Giovanni Bernard, going over one and a half receptions, despite a touchdown reception for the North Carolina graduate Bernard. Only had one reception in the game. And it's a loss for the king of props. Really the only adjustment maybe you could have had if the prop bet was available for receiving yards. I think I would have taken that because who would have thunk that Bernard would have finished with 27 yards per catch. And even if you wanted to go with, say, 15 yards per catch for one and a half, you're looking at 22 and a half. You take the over and you get it. On one reception. So two and two misleading from the king of props. Make sure to look out for week three. Become a Cold Hard Football Facts Insider to get those prop bets. Well now as we go already to segment number five on our show. We're flying by and we look ahead now to week three. With an intelligence index preview. And we have the biggest mismatch in recent history. The Seattle Seahawks hosting the Jacksonville Jaguars and the Seahawks are getting 19.5 points. Seahawks, best team in Intelligence Index, Jacksonville, worst team. What can I say? When you look at the Seahawks with a bendability of 45 and the Jaguars with a scoreability of 38.73, I'm wondering if Jacksonville can even surpass their 5.5 points they're averaging. If the Seahawks will allow fewer than the 5 points they're averaging allowed. This is going to be an ugly matchup, and I think if I really want to be gutsy, I'm going to take a prop bet over or under five and a half points allowed by the Seattle Seahawks and take the under, but don't quote me on that. I want to give you some interesting things here. Some of the best bendabilities through three weeks. The 2004 Seattle Seahawks allowed just 13 points through three games. They had a bend ability. 55 point nine two through three weeks they allowed no fewer than 17 points their following 13 games well they did in their first three games play no playoff teams with a combined record of 15 and 33 perhaps that shows you Seattle well they played the 49ers they played Jack they played a uh, Carolina two very capable quarterbacks statistically to get their teams to score. You have the 2005 Indianapolis Colts, 16 points allowed, with a bendability of 60.44. Those first three games were three of seven total, in which the Colts allowed 10 points or fewer. The Colts went 14-2, and the number one seed in the AFC. And their combined opponents, 24-24, although only scoring 17.9 points per game. And then finally, the 2009 Denver Broncos, 16 points allowed through three games en route to a 6-0 start by an 8-8 finish under Josh McDaniels. A bendability of 40.25. Those first three opponents were 20-28 and 28, with a combined points per game of 15.6. Seattle might have the best three-week start in bendability in Cold Hard Football Facts history, which dates back to 2004. Keep a lookout for that. They're a fantastic bet, despite getting 19 and a half points. They're at home after all. They just blew out the 49ers by 26. And let's close things off. There's four games between two teams with a positive intelligence index. Kansas City at Philadelphia, that defense of the Chiefs against that offense of Philadelphia. How about Atlanta at Miami? San Diego at Tennessee. And then how about this? Tampa Bay at New England. Tampa Bay, 0 2. A positive intelligence index. They're doing some things right, but they keep shooting themselves in the foot. Levante David in week one, and then the very dumb decision by Greg Schiano up by one to try and kick a field goal with about 90 seconds left. Even if that field goal was made by Ryan Lindell, you're going to give Drew Brees 90 seconds to get a touchdown. I'm going to take Drew Brees. I would have went for the first down to try and finish out the game and be 1-1 one one on the season. But anywho, Tampa Bay, the only team with a losing record of those eight. And if you find out on Cold Hard Football Facts Insider, you'll see how the best bets so far were at the top of the Intelligence Index. So take a look at that. But for now, we move to our final segment. And in our final segment, we take a look at the six-pack of top games for Week 3. And we'll begin things off with two 0-2 teams. Yes, that's right. Carolina, New York. Many people picked the Giants to win the NFC East. I thought the Carolina Panthers were a wild-card team in the NFC, even with New Orleans and Atlanta in that tough NFC South. I went with the ballsy pick. And speaking of ballsy picks, Colonel Comey saying that Carolina, a good pick in terms of the intelligence index, on the road against New York. And you know what? I'm thinking maybe, just maybe, in this situation with the Giants making stupid plays, maybe Carolina can finally get that close victory. But we'll see what happens moving forward. But one of those teams is going to be 0-3, Far beyond anybody's expectations. And that desperation I love in a matchup. Next up we have the Indianapolis Colts at the San Francisco 49ers. And this one just added on to the list the second half of this Wednesday. Trent Richardson getting traded to the Indianapolis Colts. Is that going to have any real impact? I'm going to leave this here for you. The Indianapolis Colts through two weeks is number one in Russia rating. Maybe they didn't need him. The Browns probably shouldn't have traded him. Maybe the Colts didn't need to give up a first-round pick for Trent Richardson. Next up, we have Green Bay at Cincinnati. Okay, not the quarterback matchup of Andrew Luck against Colin Kaepernick, but Aaron Rodgers on the road against one of the best front sevens in the league. So far, after two weeks, Aaron Rodgers is... Pretty much being Aaron Rodgers. The Packers are second in real passing yards per attempt, real quarterback rating, and offensive pass rating. The Bengals, well, so far, statistically speaking, they're not looking like it. Our quality stats pretty much have them middle of the line. Will this be a step-out game for the Bengals against uh, those weak offensive hogs in Green Bay? And Cincinnati at home they have a chance for another marquee victory. This is a Green Bay team that has lost to balanced teams that struggled to make comebacks late in the game, and that was a big reason, two big reasons really, why they lost in Week One at San Francisco. Can Cincinnati get the job done here? Next up on our list, we move to our number three matchup: Houston at Baltimore. Slow starts for both of these teams, but. These have been uh, playoff quality teams in 2011 and 2012. Baltimore won both matchups in 2011, including the divisional round game in Baltimore. And then last year, Houston shellacking the Ravens. This, to me, is still a very quality game. The Texans have had some perseverance at 2-0. Baltimore, they are the defending Super Bowl champs, and they're at home. I would think this has to be a good game. Number two, though, looking at Atlanta at Miami. Miami, third in the Intelligence Index. 2-0 and start on the road. Third in Bendability. Tenth in defensive real passing yards per attempt. Third in defensive real quarterback rating. Fourth in defensive pass rating. Seventh in defensive hog index. Their defense is looking fantastic. Now granted against Cleveland and Indianapolis. The reason why I sold Miami so far at two zero, as a real serious playoff contender, they go up against Matt Ryan. It's in Atlanta. Matt Ryan is virtually infallible. Or no, I'm sorry, this is in Miami. I'm getting confused. It's in Miami. This is a home statement game potentially for the Dolphins. Wanted to say that Matt Ryan nearly infallible at home. He's on the road and he's lost his only road start so far. Number one, though. We have to talk about it. It's the Andy Reid Bowl. Kansas City at Philadelphia Thursday Night Football. The all-around efficient offense led by Chip Kelly for those Philadelphia Eagles going up against a Kansas City team that's going to have their first true defensive test but through two weeks against the mediocre Dallas offense and a horrible Jacksonville offense. The Chiefs are tops in defensive hog index, second In real defensive quarterback rating. Second, in defensive real passing yards per attempt. And third, in defensive rusher rating. I am looking forward to this matchup just to see what both of these teams will do. The Eagles will finally have themselves a staunch defense to play at least through two weeks. And the Chiefs will finally have a real offensive challenge. And if Alex Smith can go into Philadelphia on Thursday night and let's say, win a 33-30 game by Alex Smith as a quarterback that should be in your top 10 in the league. And that closes out the six-pack of top games for Week 3. Well, time to wrap up our show here. From Week 3 on the Stat Pack, your host, I am signing out for now. Until next time, enjoy this fantastic week coming up. A lot of interesting matchups. And I think come the week four edition of Stat Pack, you'll be able to know a lot more about what's coming up for this season. We'll have the debut of the top six teams, six-pack of top teams, and much more coming up next week. Have a good one, everybody.